Welcome to the Global Venturing Review Podcast. My name is James Mawson, founder and editor-in-chief of our Global Corporate Venturing, Global University Venturing and Global Impact Venturing titles. And it's a great pleasure to be back here again. It's been a fair few weeks and Thierry Hillis, editor of University Venturing, has uh, been picking up the stack. Welcome, Thierry. Hello, Jim. It's it's nice to have you back after uh, your uh, your globe-trotting days. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's been a little busy, but um, I'm actually quite excited by... Uh, by doing a few of these trips, we're, we're quite excited by the events we've got coming up this fall or this autumn around uh, in Brazil and in Japan and in sort of Seattle and uh, Houston, New York and a whole host of other places and regions. So it's going to be a, a busy, busy second half of the year for us, but uh, I think really excited by it. And then we're going to start off 2020 with uh, probably our biggest one yet, which is the uh, GCPI Summit in Monterey, California, which will be about you know, 800 people, $10 trillion, $200 billion of venture assets management. So that's probably just SoftBank. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's looking that way, certainly. Yeah, no, it's a good place to be. But more importantly, we're into the height of summer. What's, uh, what's been the exciting news that's been happening over the past week, Jim? Well, despite the summer, uh, we still have a lot of nine-figure rounds, starting with my bank, which was formed by Ant Financial and Fosun in 2015. And now the big data and AI-enhanced online lending platform is reportedly seeking about $870 million in a round that could include both corporates at a $3.5 billion valuation. Its existing investors also include Wang Xiang, a contributor to the $644 million round that the company received at the time of its launch. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing round. Obviously, if uh... If it uh, if it comes through at uh, at uh, as expected by the publications, and what's quite interesting, if you think about Ant Financial, was that effectively that was an offshoot from Alibaba a few years ago to set up as a financial services subsidiary, and now it's created its own invest corporate venture subsidiary, My Bank, in partnership with Fosun, which is you know. Uh, you know, had a sort of uh, almost like a massive private equity conglomerate in many ways. You know, it's had its fingers in a lot of pies across a number of different areas. And so the fact that sort of Ant Financial has grown so big to have its own spin-off subsidiary in a sort of specific area of banking is uh, is fascinating given, you know, given what Ant has been doing, which is fundamentally providing money, you know, to smaller companies or acting as a big mutual fund and a whole host of areas. So, you know, so I think it really shows just the sort of, light speeds that uh, developments have been happening, particularly around financial services as China's economy grows. And I read a report, something that, you know, I think China's expected to have something like 800 million middle-class people with full suite of financial products over the next few years and decades. So uh, the opportunity is certainly big enough to uh, to make it work. Wow. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that is, that's, that's, that's a lot of people. That's what, 800 million. That's twice the size of America. So, uh, yeah, Wow. <laughs> and some, and they're all there, and that's just the middle class, obviously, the population would be far bigger than that. But, uh, you know, so I think, um, yeah. you know, it kind of makes sense, but it'd be interesting to see how they, how they make this work, to be honest. So, um, so good, good first deal. Let's see, see how it happens. Well, we are, we are staying in financial services and in Asia, um, for that matter. Uh, after much speculation, Indonesian bank, Bank Negara Indonesia, has officially launched its venture capital unit called BRI Ventures. It's provided an initial 100 million for the unit that it intends to eventually increase up to 250 million dollars. It will be headed by Nico Vidyaja, the ex-CEO of one of the country's other notable corporate venturing units, Telkom Indonesia's MDI Ventures. That is an interesting development, considering MDI was said to be helping BNI put together the fund. 
Yeah, I mean, well, Nico's had a, a great track record with MDI and um, Interview Parlors with GCB, Rising Stars and Power List over the past few years. So, you know, in Indonesia is, again, a massive market, close to a, you know, close to a billion people over the next few years. So I think the fact that uh, they're not just setting up corporate venture in units, but Southeast Asia or, you know, in the sort of lead up to Middle Asia towards China, Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, certainly. These countries are really sort of stepping up. Funny, I've probably um, just been invited to give a talk as Taiwan looks to develop its ecosystem. So I'll be over there in sort of uh, in the next few months trying to understand and learn a little bit more what's happening on, on the island there. But uh, I think hats off to Nico, hats off to uh, you know BNI for setting up what uh, should be, I think, a, a very substantial and significant operation if they, uh, if they make it work as well as its track records would suggest, then I think the whole ecosystem's really going to explode from there. So be a good one to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Indonesia in general is, is, is quite an interesting um, interesting country to watch. A lot of interesting stuff happening there, like Gojek. And uh, yeah, definitely keen to keep a clo- close eye on this one. Well, we, we are still staying in Asia. A Chinese online lending platform, again, financial services, 9F has filed to go public in the US and hopes to raise $150 million in proceeds, but in an unusual move is yet to settle on an exchange. Um, it's a fight between New York Stock Exchange and Nasdaq. The company's investors include Susquehanna International Group and SBI, though neither have stakes sized at 5% or more. Founded in 2006, 9F operates a peer-to-peer lending marketplace for consumers, with the loans supplied by both private investors and institutional partners. The platform also offers securities trading and big data analytics functionalities. It had 76.7 million registered users as of March this year, 7.8 million of which have an approved credit limit and its outstanding loan balance totaled $8.2 billion at the time. Quite some big numbers. Yeah, big market, and it's an impressive sort of company that's been around, obviously, more than a dozen years now, really sort of showing that its model can work. We've seen a number of quite interesting sort of opportunities in this space. I saw ClearBank in Canada raise some money, both loan and equity, to help almost provide money not just as a loan and you know but they get a sort of preferred rate of return in order for the company to buy ads on facebook and instagram in order to help grow their sort of consumer base so an interesting sort of play different model we've seen a whole host such as monzo in uk n26 new banks got a 10 billion odd valuation down in brazil for alternative lending and finance so this space really you know really is exploding globally and i think sort of the incumbents are definitely looking over their shoulder one of the things I find quite interesting is why it's looking to list in the US. Uh, you know, given the success past month with China's star market in terms of sort of immediate pop of valuations, you know, and the sort of potential for the trade war and tariffs, a number of Chinese companies that had listed in the US are repositioning their listing back for the Chinese market. So interesting sort of dynamic probably signals where it thinks that some of its expansion Roots will come, will, won't just be in China, but much more internationally and having that sort of credibility and sort of, in some ways, governance reputationally, given what's happening to some of the auditing in, in China for some of the listed companies, is probably no bad move, but it probably signals that we're going to be hearing a lot more about 9F outside of China than we have heard about it uh, so far into China. That's some very good points, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if they started expanding... Uh into the US and uh, north North Canada and, and uh, sorry North America and uh, 
maybe maybe beyond that from there yeah I mean, I think actually, interestingly, I think they'll struggle to actually expand in the US. I think sort of the way Taris and Cypheus and other regulations are increasingly making it hard for Chinese to do something. Just be doing a project with um, Harvard Business School looking at uh, some of these issues around sort of investment. But I think they might use the, the filing and the fact that uh, they've got sort of US listing to actually expand in other countries that are outside of the US. I think that might be a, you know, might be a route that they end up going towards if, if they find a sort of regulatory and other climate in the US is increasingly hostile towards them. But we shall see. They probably know far more than we do about what's, what's going to come down the <laughs> Then, well, we, we are moving into Europe um, with an interesting crossover deal from University and Corporate Venture Capital with Alize Pharma 3, which is a France-based biopharmaceutical startup based on research at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, University of Maine and Harvard University, which secured $74.6 million in a Series A round led by LSP. Novo Ventures partners Innovation and Sham Innovation Sante, respective investment vehicles for pharmaceutical firm Novo, Partners Healthcare and Sham, among others, also took part in the round. Alize Pharma 3 is developing drugs that are intended to treat metabolic diseases and diseases of the endocrine system. And if that number sounds weird, there have been two other companies called Alize Pharma. It's quite a a very, very complex company history there. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there's a, a backstory to uh, to uncover there, but uh, you know, in some ways, probably fairly typical of the healthcare industry. The length of time it takes to actually sort of treat and deal with some of these sort of chronic, uh, chronic diseases and issues is uh, it was phenomenal in terms of decades rather than years. And so, uh, so but good to see this sort of Elise Pharma three has um, got such a great starting point in terms of corporate and other back-end, the fact that it's come out of, you know, US research for a French company, you know, with a whole suite of different international investors, Nova obviously, Denmark partners up in Boston and sort of uh, Sham Innovation Sunday, more France-based themselves, is probably shows what uh, what the opportunities are, you know, despite the issues around trade wars, you know, it still remains a global innovation landscape and those that can navigate it more successfully in terms of finding the IP and commercialising and developing it really stand a great opportunity to deal with things which are global in nature, which is obviously metabolic part and sort of urinary tract diseases. What are the other more news and briefs? Well, we've had Swiggy is in what's increasingly becoming a head-to-head battle with Zomato for dominance in India's on-demand food delivery sector, and it's reportedly close to raising between 700 million and 750 million in a round led by existing investor Naspers. The round will value Swiggy at about four billion dollars, and Naspers has provided 350 million of the 540 million the company has already secured prior to the close. A consortium of Korean investors that also include Dosan are taking part. Healthcare software provider Babylon Health, meanwhile, has announced a $550 million Series C round that will value it at $2 billion post-money once it formally closes. Media reports state that health insurer Centene is investing $50 million, while Munich Re's Ergo Fund is putting up $7 million. But it looks like the round's big money is coming from Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. Traveloka raised $420 million in a GIC-backed round in April and is reportedly talking to investors in a bid to secure an initial $500 million at a valuation of about $4.5 billion. Travel and tourism booking platform, which is backed by corporates Expedia and JD.com, will spend the proceeds on further expansions in its home area of Southeast Asia. 
Mobile bank operator Newbank, as Jim's just mentioned, has already sealed funding, notching up $400 million in a Series F round that included Tencent. The corporate had already invested $90 million in Newbank last October, together with a $90 million secondary transaction. SoftBank, which has become increasingly prominent in the Brazilian VC space, had reportedly been in talks to lead the round, but did not end up participating. Online real estate brokerage Compass is now valued at $6.4 billion, having secured $370 million in a Series G round that included SoftBank Vision Fund, fresh from the launch of its recent $108 billion second vehicle. Canada Pension Plan Investment Board and Dragoneer also took part in the round, which increased the total raised by Compass to about $1.5 billion. The cash will support geographical growth and R&D spending. Mobile commerce platform Wish is now valued at $11.2 billion following a Series H round, reportedly sized at $300 million. General Atlantic led the round without any other participants being disclosed. The company's earlier investors include Legend Capital and, reportedly, JD.com, and it plans to channel the latest funding into beefing up marketing and logistics. Machine learning software provider DataRobot has reportedly secured $200 million in a Series E round led by Sapphire Ventures at a valuation of more than a billion dollars. The news is yet to be confirmed by Data Robert, but it would increase the company's overall funding to about $425 million. Its earlier investors included New York Life, Intel Capital, and Recruit Strategic Partners. Chinese engineering equipment rental service Zhongeng United has raised a total of about $167 million in new funding, almost $22 million of which came in the shape of Series B Plus capital supplied by Five Star. The rest was provided by investors including Huayun Financial Leasing and financial services firms ICBC, Bank of Jiangsu, China Merchants Bank and Bank of Ningbo. Moving on to funds, here we have Utimco, a joint investment company of University of Texas and Texas A&M University, which has backed a $234 million life sciences fund raised by Germany-based venture firm Wellington Partners. Wellington Partners Life Science Fund 5 also secured contributions from business-to-business insurance Talanx, German state-owned investment unit KFW Capital, and the EU-owned European Investment Fund and European Investment Bank. VPLS 5 will back between 15 and 20 companies in segments such as biotech, therapeutics and medical devices. It will mainly target German-speaking countries with potential select investments in North America and Asia. Exits, here we have one more apart from 9F. Uh, There's been a lot of talk of decline in the new media sector as of late, and we could be about to see some more consolidation in the space. Vice is one of the biggest players and is reportedly in discussions to acquire Refinery29 in a move intended to diversify its comparatively masculine reputation. If the deal goes through, it'll likely be for less than the reported $500 million valuation at which Refinery29 raised money three years ago. Warner Media, WPP and Discovery Communications will all exit. And finally, let's take a look at people. Here we have Kathy Gao, who has left AXA Venture Partners, a corporate venturing vehicle for insurer and financial services group AXA, to become a vice president at VC firm Sapphire Ventures. Gao's new role will focus on the enterprise software, security and vertical software segments. She had been an investor at AXA Venture Partners since January 2017, covering deal spaces such as enterprise software, internet, digital health and fintech. US-based carmaker General Motors has appointed John Dew, 
director of GM China Advanced Technical Center to an investment manager role at its corporate venturing subsidiary GM Ventures. Zhu was a general manager at chipmaker Intel's China-based research center for nearly four years from 2005 before joining GM's research and development center in Shanghai in 2009 and ascending to chief technologist at GM China in mid-2019. TDK Ventures, the corporate venture capital arm of Japan-based electronics manufacturer TDK Corporation, has hired Andrew Mayhor and Anil Achiwata as investment directors. Achiwata was a US-based director of external innovation and strategy at personal care product manufacturer L'Oreal from 2016. Mayhor had been a China-based partner for boutique private equity firm Silver Tiger Capital, also since 2016. Sean Maguire, meanwhile, has left his partner position at GV, a corporate venturing subsidiary of internet and technology conglomerate Alphabet, to reprise the same role at venture capital firm Sequoia Capital. He had joined GV in late 2016. Camber Creek, the venture capital arm of US-based property developer Berman Enterprises, has hired Mitchell Shear as an executive partner. Prior to joining Camber Creek, Shear spent 15 years as president of Vornado Charles E. Smith a division of real estate investment trust Vornado Realty Trust, where he helped manage Vornado's portfolio in the Washington, D.C. region. Princeton University, meanwhile, has selected Rodney Priestley, currently Professor of Chemical and Biological Engineering, to fill the newly created position of Vice Dean for Innovation. Starting in February 2020, Priestley's role will involve providing oversight of the university's innovation and entrepreneurship activity, setting up resources to that end, such as workshops, networking and training. Gerald Goodfellow has been appointed Executive Director of Louisiana Tech Research Institute and Director of Technology Innovation at Louisiana Tech University. His main objective will be to strengthen LTRI's reputation for research, innovation and education in areas of national security. University System of Maryland, meanwhile, has named Claire Broido Johnson as the Managing Director of its $10 million venture fund, Maryland Momentum Fund. She'll replace David Weiss, who had been managing director since the fund's launch in 2017. Wise chose to leave to pursue other professional interests. A spokesperson for the university told Global University Venturing, though what those interests are remains unclear. And finally, University of Pittsburgh's Innovation Institute has promoted to the rank of senior licensing manager both Mariana Venegas and George Colston, licensing managers for the life and physical sciences respectively. And that, dear listener, is it for this week's edition of the Global Venturing Review Podcast. My name is still Terry Hillis. Also, thanks to James, who has had to run off to a meeting. If you have any feedback, feel free to email me. You can reach me at tehillis at globaluniversityventuring.com. That is T-H-E-L-E-S at globaluniversityventuring.com. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you download this podcast from. And don't forget to recommend us to your friends and colleagues. And thank you very much to those of you that have already done so. With that, all that's left is to wish you a productive week. And I will speak to you again next Monday. Goodbye. Global Venturing Review was produced by In-Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.